0: This edition of Who'sology. We welcome sports enterprise reporter for the Houston Chronicle, Danielle Lerner. We break down the recent winning streak of the Houston Rockets, Jalen Green's progress, James Harden's homecoming, and a lot more. This is a fun interview as Danielle has a lot of great insight into the future of the Houston Rockets. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter, leave us a review on iTunes, email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Danielle Lerner. She is a sports enterprise reporter for the Houston Chronicle, covering the Houston Rockets. We welcome Danielle Lerner onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Danielle?
1: I'm good. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on to the show, and this is a chat that, you know, we've been looking forward to because the Houston Rockets are one of the teams that we like to pay attention to due to Matt's uh, fandom of the Rockets for a long time, and they have no, sh- no shortage of topics to discuss. So just asking you, Danielle, right now, um, they're on a pretty hot winning streak. Can you kind of describe what is the, the temperament of the team at this point, as a lot of outsiders just consider, you know, this season for the Rockets to be kind of a lost season of um, other than the development of Jalen Green. But, you know, with this winning streak, I mean, there's a lot of hope. So just to want to get your perspective on how you think the team is doing um, before the winning streak. And then what do you think, how is this momentum going to carry over to the rest of the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Rockets have a lot of confidence right now. Winning seven seven games in a row will will do that to you, especially, you know, against the top team in the East, you know, being the Nets last night, that was a, a big one for sure. And it started with a win over the Bulls, and another really, really good team. So, Yeah, they haven't played um, the best competition so far. You know, they had a couple wins against OKC in that streak. They beat the Magic. You know, those are are things where you kind of throw your hands up and go, okay, well, like, does that really mean anything? But when you see how they've progressed throughout this, just playing more together on offense, there's more cohesion there. Defense, you know, they, they play a pretty simplistic style of defense, but they've thrown a couple wrinkles in there, you know, been able to, to go zone to frustrate some teams, been able to blitz James Harden like they did last night. So I think you're seeing players grow individually, but it's this winning streak is more so the result of the group kind of developing that chemistry that they lacked during the 15 game losing streak that preceded this.
0: So I, I got to ask you the obligatory question about James Harden. <laughs> um, how was his homecoming received? And you had the tribute video. He did kind of the hard sign. Uh, what was kind of the environment in terms of that building? Um, the commentators described that he got some cheers. But like, what was kind of the environment? Was it was all kind of hate. Not only, of course, he's on the opposing team. But just in terms of his you know tenure you know, as a Houston Rockets, he provided a lot of great memories. But the way he exited was kind of an ugly divorce. So kind of how was kind of the mood in that building when he came back to town
1: yeah you know I think it was kind of a a mix it was mostly a warm reception but there definitely was a a mix I think of some hostility still you know lingering from how things went down with his exit but uh you know this wasn't the first time he's been back it was the first time in front of a a non-pandemic attendance restricted crowd but he was back here last season and and they did do like a little tribute for him then as well that there just were only like two or three thousand people in the building to see it um so I think that at this point like it's not it's not new the wound is not as fresh as it was last year and so people were more receptive to seeing him last night and you know fans his former teammates with the Rockets staffers alike like they like the guy they still want him to do well like at least publicly like they're never going to like come out and say anything bad about him you know they were you know giving him hugs and handshakes and stuff before and after the game yesterday so um, I think that that in general, a lot of the the hurt that maybe Rockets fans are feeling has has faded a little bit. Um, but of course, there's still going to be some people who, who resent him for just how he left.
2: Danielle, is that tribute video, I mean, is that pretty much just kind of like a league norm now when you have a player who's been there five plus years or for a significant run of time? I mean, you know, obviously like LeBron returning to Cleveland, things like that. Um, I mean, that's obviously a monumental one, but when you have a guy who's like a franchise player for like a full contract length, maybe extension is, is that just kind of a, more of a formality maybe than sentimental now for the NBA? I mean, in, in terms of organizationally,
1: I think so. And I would say even the tribute last night to Harden didn't feel overly emotional or sentimental, you know, it was during the first time out that the Rockets took uh, maybe I think halfway through the first quarter. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, really just a graphic that went up and, and, you know, the PA announcer, you know, said, said something about it and, and Harden kind of looked up from the huddle and, and made the heart gesture on the Jumbotron, but it wasn't a big extended, you know, pregame thing where they had a, you know, it's, it's not like you see sometimes when, when players who won a championship with one team and then now are with a different team, they come back the next season and they do like a whole ring ceremony, something like that, you know, it wasn't to that level or anything. But I do think that, you know, showing that respect um, for those guys who have built franchises into contenders and and in Harden's case gave Houston some of the best years that they've had in this city. uh, I think that that, you know, is is pretty well expected at this point.
2: Absolutely. Getting back to the hot streak, I I have to go back to this. I'm savoring this hot streak in anticipation for, you know, colder months potentially. But right now... The Rockets are last I checked, one game away from if the season were to end today, one quarter of the way through, one game out of play-in game contention. Is would it completely floor you right now if if we knew, if we looked into the crystal ball and saw the Rockets in the playing game, would that be almost improbable at this point?
1: I would like to say yes, just because as well as they're playing right now, I don't know that that is sustainable through you know the the rest of the the rigorous NBA schedule. Like I just don't think that they've encountered their toughest stretches yet. Um, yes, they've had some injuries a- already, and and it's kind of remarkable how well they're playing without their starting backcourt. That's another piece of it, um, and how some of these guys off the bench have stepped up but is that going to continue to be the case? Can they really count on other guys who have had injury troubles in the past, like Christian Wood, um, to stay healthy throughout the remainder of the season, you know, knock on wood, we don't want anyone to to get hurt, of course, but it's a long season. We're only a quarter of the way through right now. I think, you know, it's, it's too, it's too early to, to put all your eggs in that basket.
2: Absolutely. I would agree. Um, excuse me. Um, one of the big things that happened during this streak is Daniel Tice was taken out of the starting lineup uh for many of these games. Um how has the the chemistry been affected on that team? It seems like he's been a real professional about it all. I, I've seen him cheering on the bench for several of these games when he's had like a DNP coach's decision. Seems like he's been a real professional, but in terms of their offense, it's also given them a chance to obviously spread out a little bit more, play more on the perimeter. We've seen the rise of Garrison Matthews, for example. Um, Can you talk about just kind of how this team started maybe like just before this win streak and what that looked like and then what they're doing now and, and why they have had so much more firepower on offense?
1: Yeah. I mean, you use the word professional to describe Daniel Tyson. That's the word that Steven Silas used as well. Obviously they brought Tyson in to, to kind of, to kind of, but also just within the locker room, be kind of that veteran guiding voice, kind of similar to what Kelly O'Linick did for them last season. You know, they're not the same type of player, but just to be kind of that, that voice, that steady presence, um, kind of that defensive anchor. And the two big lineups that they were using at the beginning of the season really weren't all that su- successful. There were games where you saw glimpses of what it could be with Wood playing alongside Tice, but it wasn't quite to the level of smoothness that we saw with Wood in Olympic last season when they did that. Um, there just wasn't as much pick-and-pop action going on when they tried to do kind of four or five pick-and-rolls. Sometimes things fell apart, and, and partially that was because of that par- partnership, but partially it was because the rest of the team around them were still... Figuring where out where they needed to be and figuring out how how to space the floor when they did that. So you know the Rockets, as we know, they like to shoot a lot of threes. That's been a thing since the D'Antoni era, um, and that's not really changing right now under Steve and Silas. And and so when they had the two big lineup on the floor, and then you were trying to to do that and shoot all the time, the spacing just wasn't there. Um, so I think that you know pulling ties from the lineup and going smaller. They did that partially because of the teams that they were playing at the time. It just made sense to do that. Um, But it it worked out because, you know, who could have predicted that Garrison Matthews would become the player that he's become, you know, two weeks after he was called up from the G league essentially. Um, And he's really stepped up in that way. And so I think they kind of figured out like, you know, we have to play to the strengths of, of the guys that we have. And he was showing that, his shooting obviously was a strength. So why would you shy away from that? And, you know, I think that we might see Daniel Tice come back into the fold uh, on this upcoming road trip as they're playing some some big teams. Atlanta, the Cavs sometimes play like three bigs on the floor at once. Like, I don't really know what they're doing. So uh, I think that Tice could come back in. But in the meantime, it's kind of a case of like, well, you have to balance. Do you stick with what's working or do you – you know, maybe try and take a chance and go very, very matchup based.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting with this team because obviously, I mean, they're towards the bottom of the West. Everybody knows that. Everybody was expecting that as well. But it it does feel like, as a fan, like I want more minutes for Alperen Shangun, for example. I want more minutes for Josh Christopher. I, I want to see like a lot of this young talent develop and and even you know, through this wind streak, like Jalen green hasn't even been seen because he's had the injury. Of course. Um, I, I guess I wanted to ask you, what is the focus that you're hearing from inside the organization of balancing, trying to get a winning culture into place during a rebuild, which, which is tough to not feel like a, like a perpetual loser in a long NBA season. Uh, and then also, developing the young talent because i mean quite often that doesn't go hand in hand that doesn't sync up nicely developing 19 year old players on this team and getting some wins developing some winning habits how are they balancing that and and what is kind of their focus is it just as simple as we go out there we play to win the games or what have you heard from them
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something, honestly, that they're still trying to figure out. Um, It is a a continuous struggle to find that balance because that is the messaging that is coming from Silas, from uh, general manager, Rafael Stone. They're all saying, like, we're not just going to solely focus on development and forsake wins, but we're also not trying to be a solely like win now team because we realize that's not really feasible at this point with a bunch of teenagers, essentially. So you know, I think that they are still trying to find out like how do we do both, um, and it of, of course is tougher when two of the guys who you really really want to develop, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, are hurt right now. But I think that is also what has allowed them a little bit of flexibility um, at, at this point. And that's not saying that oh they're winning because they don't have Jalen Green and KPJ. Um, I think that you know anyone could could watch who's watched most of their season could could say that those guys do make them better in a lot of ways, but. I think that you don't have to worry as much um, when your rotation is shorter about balancing minutes, about who is gonna get how many this night. Do you need to save someone if you're on a back-to-back? Like there's just all those little details that in, in some ways, you know, are made easier when you don't have to worry about so many things simultaneously. Of course, you know, last season was a whole other deal with just like how long the injury list was at all times and how short the bench was. They don't want to go back to, to that extreme for sure. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it's something that's going to be a work in progress throughout this entire season.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's nice in some ways that with with everyone happy i mean the the chemistry is like booming right now on the team it feels like as i mean winning solves a lot of problems of course but it's nice that you can also tell Jalen green and kpj and and maybe just internally they don't feel as much pressure to like rush back off of those injuries
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think like everyone's been very impressed with garrison matthews of course but with armani brooks with you know josh christopher had Mm -hmm. his breakout game against the Nets, so you know, we'll see maybe that gives him a more prominent spot in the rotation on this upcoming trip, um, especially since they're still shorthanded without both of those other guys. Uh, and, and Daniel House now is, is out too with an ankle sprain. So, you know, I think that Steven Silas has been pretty good about rewarding guys who play well with bigger opportunities. Um, and so maybe we see that with Josh Christopher. I understand, like, the Shangoon Hive that's going around Twitter, like, clamoring for him to play more. And, and I do think he's an incredibly talented player for a 19 year old. Um, but I also think that we talk about cohesion a lot and he seems to have found that with the second unit playing kind of a two man game with DJ Augustine and being able to, to really be the playmaker on the floor sometimes when they have a shortage of point guards. So I I don't know that I would want to yank him into the, the starter group, um, for much of his playing time.
2: No, I totally agree like he and k j martin are are sinking <laughs> up right now lately too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I mean constant highlights when those two are on the court, so that's that's been great
0: uh Danielle, question for you. You mentioned kind of the team basically being stuck in between you know wanting to win but also they're in a rebuild. How is Jalen Green adjusting to that because we've seen a lot of rookies they're used to winning in high school or in college, but when they get to the pros. You know, sometimes it's it's a lot of losing, and, and it, it could be hard to take. So, with him, so far, I realize it's early, and now they're on this winning streak. But how is he? How's his mindset in terms of facing the realization that you know the Rockets are going to be in a rebuild, and that it might not be until year three until the pieces start coming together in terms of playoffs or championships, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, no one likes losing, right? And especially not guys who are used to winning, as you just said, you know, at a high level like he is. But I think that, number one, we have to remember that Jalen Green is coming from the G League where, you know, he was playing on on the Ignite, a very good team, but he kind of got used to the ups and downs of a professional basketball season in that way and knowing that, you know, there is more uh, parity at times and it's not like, Uh, An AAU, high school AAU team, you know, where one team just like stockpiles superstars. Well, you know, people will point to the Warriors about this and even the Nets and the Lakers. But, you know, it's generally in the NBA, even if there are super teams, you know, there's still it's such a long season that things happen. Uh, And so I think he had a chance to get used to that playing in the G League last year. But then also, any guy who knows he's going to be a lottery pick, like you understand, that's a situation that you're walking into. Same with Cade Cunningham in Detroit; those guys knew, like, okay, we're going to be, you know, top two picks, top three maybe. I, they both thought that they were going to be the number one, obviously. Um, and so they expected that this was going to be this season. Does that make it any easier when you're actually in it and you're in a 15-game losing streak? No, probably not. But, you know, Jalen Green is where he is because he's confident in his own abilities and he's coachable to an extent. And so he knows that his role is going to evolve as the season goes on. And I think being able to focus on those developmental aspects and kind of like hone in on that instead of just like looking out at the big picture and being like, oh my God, this is our record. Like we're, you know, at the bottom of the standings, I think that's almost helped a little bit.
0: And what do you project as his ceiling so far based on your observations? Do you are, are you super excited about his full potential or you, do you have some reservations? Do you see some negatives in his game that might be some red flags down in the future? Or do you see a lot of positives that ultimately were overcome that what's kind of I know it's early. He's gotten hurt, but what has been your kind of impressions of him so far?
1: Yeah, I, I generally think that the sample size right now is too small to to draw any sweeping conclusions. But um, you know, I do think that his ball handling has gotten a lot better. That's one thing that has improved. Um, and so hopefully, you know when he comes back whenever that is, wherever the rotation is at at that point, hopefully that doesn't take a dip. But I think the the first, I guess half of of the batch of games that he's played already, um, he was really being used more as like a spot up shooter, like a catch and shoot guy. I think he's taken like fifty point four percent of his shots from uh, three point land this season. So, and, and that's you know something that he's comfortable with, especially in transition. He likes to pull up from beyond the arc. But I think sometimes it was difficult to get him going downhill, which is really where I think he thrives. Um, and so getting him used to to really driving more, you know, he can make some incredible like off balance finishes. We've seen it. That was actually how he got hurt initially in that Bulls game was like I think he he drove and finished off balance crashed to the ground it was an and one play shot the free throw and then he came out and was limping Um, but you know you see those flashes of just athleticism and just like smarts of knowing like I can take this guy on like I can get him an iso and like I can go score and they need him to be that aggressive Um, but at the same time they don't want him just constantly like trying to do it all himself. Um, So I think learning to play off of Kevin Porter Jr., especially when KPJ is handling the ball, um, is going to be really, really helpful for him as both of them get back on the court.
2: Absolutely. I I want to table john wall for a few minutes here and ask you one question first before we get into john wall because obviously john wall is kind of the elephant in the room on on this roster um but looking at this win streak recent performance you you'd have to think i mean any basketball fan could see like christian wood on that contract his trade value is going to be really high right now Uh, as well as eric gordon i mean a, a very very savvy capable veteran that could help a championship contender. Do you see the Rockets being pretty active at the trade deadline and adding those players into the mix? I mean, um, Eric Gordon, of course, <clears throat> several years older than Christian Wood. So he's on a, a much different timeline. But even Christian Wood being in the in the league for a few years, I, I guess question one would be do you think Christian Wood fits the timeline of this team's development and then for either of those players do you see them as big names at the deadline
1: yeah i think gordon is probably more likely to to be moved by the rockets than wood i think wood is very much a part of their future plans with that young core Mm. um you know both both just in terms of how he's developed here in houston and his time here so far um but also like if that wasn't the case who who slots in you know shangun just got here i don't think his yeah. game is developed enough and i don't think they are similar enough players for shangun to automatically slide into that spot yes the rockets could go out and get someone else but they've really been cycling through these like veteran centers the last couple of years and, and i think it helps to have that continuity that wood brings and i do think he could be an all-star caliber player for them he obviously you know is thriving in their offensive system they're using him more in pick and rolls with Kevin Porter jr. So though that partnership has a lot of potential, I think um, alone, not to mention just Wood playing with, you know, KJ Martin and the other rookies and, and all those young guys. So I think he's a part of the future plans for sure. Um, Gordon, I think a lot of it depends obviously on, on where the rockets are record wise and, and playoff wise. When we get to the deadline, if they continue on this upward trajectory that they're on now and shock everyone and, you know think that they have a legitimate shot at a playoff spot then i don't see them giving up eric gordon who has been so valuable for them not just on defense as we knew he would be but scoring wise as well i mean he's just been really having a vintage season as far as it comes to to three-point shooting to handling the ball now that they don't really have another point guard so i think if he's you know a huge part of the the success um as he has been so far I think they would be more reluctant to give him up.
2: He's another guy that's been very professional in, in anything that I've heard, um, any interview he's, he's given anything like that. Uh, do you sense any, any sort of desire on his part to move on from this organization?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say it's a strong desire, but I don't think he would be against it. I think at this point, like he's just committed to doing what, is the best thing for his career. And I think that sure. most guys, when they get to, to his stage, like that's how they feel. And, you know, I know he was as frustrated as anyone by the losing, you know, he didn't show it. It was kind of his job to like, hold it together. But, you know, at one point during the streak, I think maybe they were at either 12 or 13 losses in a row at that point. He like says, "When you to me, be like, well, like it can't really get worse. And then of course, like it did get worse. They lost yeah. more. So. You know, I, I think he's he's trying to take everything with a grain of salt, but he really does relish his role as kind of a, a mentor to these younger guys. And, you know, at, at the advanced stage that he's in in his career, like he's going to have that role no matter where he goes, even if he goes to a contender that also has a bunch of experience. Like, I think his role is very much the same. So um, he's very secure in what he brings to the table on and off the court. He's going to do that with the Rockets or with any other team. So I don't think it necessarily matters to him at this point.
2: Yeah. Um, so moving into John wall, um, I I guess I have, I have two main questions and you you being at the Houston Chronicle covering the Rockets, I'm dying to know your answer. Do you think, John Wall is likely to play basketball for the Houston Rockets before the trade deadline. And do you think John Wall is likely to move at the trade deadline this year?
1: Oof. Uh <laughs> I would be a whole lot smarter if I knew the answer to either of those questions. Um, but honestly, I don't. Because the Rockets said, you know, a couple of weeks ago now, like, oh, we're going to start ramping him up, whatever that means. We're going to start mm-hmm. incorporating him into our practices and we'll see where we're at. Um, I guess that was only like a week, maybe 10 days ago. What is time? It's a flat circle. Um, (laughs) since then though, they haven't been able to really do that. Like there's been no movement. He's not practicing still. Like he's just kind of doing his own thing. So they, they still intend Steven Silas confirmed the other day to do that, but there hasn't been much progress made on that front. And you would think that, you know, maybe these injuries that they've had to Kevin Porter jr. And Jalen green would have hastened that a little bit. Um, You know, Not that they're all of a sudden going to bring John Wall out and have him be starting. I don't think that's the plan, but I think that's part of the holdup because that would be an opening that Wall would see and be like, oh, well, that's an obvious spot for me to come help right now. But I think that that would end up still being detrimental in the long run to the Rockets um, because then how do you, once those guys come back, take John Wall out of your starting lineup? It, mm-hmm. and and why bother you know having your team and your starters learn how to play with Wall when he's not going to be your guy for the future so they obviously want him to have a more limited role than he wants and i think that's kind of the the battle that's going on right now whether that is being said behind closed doors or is being left unsaid and you're kind of in limbo at the at the moment in time
2: do you get the sense that the organization is pretty determined to avoid like a buyout with that contract
1: I don't think that anyone is is ruling out a buyout but mm-hmm. but I mean yeah it would be nice if they could avoid it um and I think that the thing that gets lost sometimes in discussing like landing spots for Wall and like well who's willing to take on that big of a contract is like it's not just taking on the 47 million it's you're offloading something too. So, you have to look at at, you know, once we get to the trade deadline, what are other teams trying to move who are the big contracts that they're trying to get rid of and then, you know, addition by subtraction, do the math. So, I think if everyone looks at John Wall as if he just has this floating price tag of 47 million above his head, like that's not actually what it is. It's still going to be a hefty chunk of change. But you have to look at the kind of the give and take.
2: Absolutely. Have, have you heard any, you know, trade machine proposals, anything like that, seen anything that has kind of caught your eye at this point regarding John wall?
1: Honestly, no, I've kind of just like buried <laughs> my ha- head in the sand regarding all of that. Yeah. Like it's, I'll deal with that in, in, you know, a month or so. It's uh, yeah, got my hands full with other stuff at this point.
0: Danielle. Um, I just want to get your impressions on the the rest of the league. Uh, what's kind of caught your eye, besides just, you know, having most arenas all arenas having full capacity full of fans, there's been a lot of great storylines in terms of surprises and the new rules changes and some other storylines. What's caught your eye so far that surprised you that, you know, you weren't really you didn't think it would be a storyline headed into this season. But now it's one of the top um, things fans are caring about.
1: And well, I think uh, it's been funny for me to watch the the new rule changes uh, on tuning fouls because you can tell that like certain players forget sometimes that there's been this change. Eric Gordon has done it a few times where like, you know, he thinks that he's drawn the foul and he's looking around and then he like remembers like, oh, I can't, <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Um, and, you know, so it's been interesting to watch that. And, and I think overall, like the, that rule change has been good. Um, you know, it's not slowing the game down as much with as many calls and, you know, you can't basically just bait guys into fouling you anymore. So um, that I think has been a positive change that I wasn't sure if it would be positive or not. Um, But other than that, I mean, team by team, like the warriors, uh, we knew that they could shoot. Right. But I don't think anyone thought this their, their defense was going to be this good. I don't think anyone thought they were going to look this good still without clay Thompson and and without James Wiseman. Um, You know, we know what Steph can do. Like he's coming up on, on some other record of, of some point. Uh, Some kind and no one's surprised about that uh, the way that that guy can shoot but I think that they're getting contributions from actually a a former uh, Rockets G League guy Gary Payton the second he used to play for RGB Vipers and he's been really big for them so I think he's been one of the cool surprises to watch this season.
0: Danielle, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Key, please let our audience know where they can find you on social media and then where they can find your work um, on the Houston Chronicle and anything else you're working on as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. You can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Learner or go to HoustonChronicle.com um, and read uh, anything that I write there. But um, not just me, just uh, our whole staff is, is amazing. Jonathan Fagan, who is our main Rockets beat writer, um, he's been covering them for you know 20 plus years. Uh, He knows his stuff, so uh, be sure to, to check his stuff out as well.
0: Awesome, Danielle. Appreciate the insight. Thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thanks, guys.